0: Hi, my name is Farastu Khalesi Hosseini. I'm a pediatrics resident at LA County, USC, and I'll be going over case 35 titled 18-month-old male with vomiting and altered mental status by Dr. Behar. Let's begin. An 18-month-old male is seen in the pediatric emergency department for vomiting for two hours. The mother noted that after he vomited, he became difficult to arouse. The patient had a rapid return to baseline by the time of arrival to the pediatric ED, and now appears well. So what is a differential diagnosis? Vomiting and altered mental status is a concerning presentation with unique causes in the toddler years. Differential diagnoses include head injury, toxic ingestions, central nervous system infections, hydrocephalus, electrolyte and metabolic abnormalities, renal insufficiency, And CNS bleeds from trauma or vascular lesions, such as AV malformations or vasculitis. Additionally, non accidental head trauma from, for example, child abuse should always be a consideration in the pre verbal or minimally verbal child who is unable to report this injury. GI issues such as intussusception, appendicitis, and malrotation with volvulus can present with emesis and altered mental status in a young child. Time for a clinical pearl. Determining whether a child in this age group had access to other household members' medications is vital. An unintentional, potentially fatal ingestion commonly occurs in this age group. Case point 35.1. The mother states that the child has not had fevers, diarrhea, bloody stools, polyuria, polydipsia, weight loss, headaches, or changes in his urine output or quality the rest of the review of systems is also negative. So how does the negative focused review of systems help narrow the differential diagnosis? An absence of fever helps narrow the differential diagnosis away from infectious processes such as meningitis, urinary tract infections, and viral gastroenteritis, polyuria or abnormally excessive or frequent passage of urine, and polydipsia or abnormally excessive thirst or drinking are worrisome for hyperglycemia, most likely due to type 1 diabetes in this age group. Urinary tract infections can present with vomiting, dehydration, and altered mental status. Time for a clinical pearl. Be wary of giving the diagnosis of viral gastroenteritis to patients who is experiencing vomiting without diarrhea, as there are many serious, potentially life-threatening diagnoses that may be missed. Additionally, in any patient presenting with vomiting, obtain a surgical history. Patients with prior history of abdominal surgery can have adhesions leading to small bowel obstruction. This can present with vomiting, often bilious, abdominal distension, and altered mental status due to dehydration and or electrolyte abnormalities. Back to the case. Case point 35.2. His vital signs show a temperature of 37 degrees Celsius, pulse rate of 116 per minute, respiratory rate of 28 per minute, blood pressure of 97 over 58, and O2 saturation of 100% on room air. The physical examination reveals a well-appearing toddler. His abdomen is soft without mass and has active bowel sounds. He has a normal neurologic examination there is no evidence of trauma or macrocephaly. What physical examination findings can assist in narrowing the differential diagnosis? In a toddler with mental status changes, accurate vital signs looking for Cushing's triad and performing the Glasgow Coma Scale are essential to evaluate whether the patient's altered mental status is due to a CNS disturbance requiring emergent intervention for example, intracranial hemorrhaging. You can see in Figure 35.1 the Glasgow Coma Scale outline. The GCS may need to be modified for younger or developmentally delayed pediatric patients. Time for a clinical pearl. Cushing's triad consists of vital sign abnormalities that suggest elevated intracranial pressure and herniation. It includes high blood pressure, bradycardia, and irregular Shane Stokes respirations. This pattern of breathing, also called agonal breathing, is a repetitive pattern of hyperapnea, deep and rapid breaths, followed by shallower respirations and eventually apnea, which is a complete cessation of breathing. It is also important to note the toddler's anthropometrics, weight, length. Weight for length and head circumference, macrocephaly, or a large head in proportion to weight and length, can be an ominous sign of hydrocephalus, also known as excessive cerebrospinal fluid within the brain, or space-occupying lesion such as a brain tumor. Physical examination findings suggestive of a skull fracture include blood behind the tympanic membranes, known as hemotympanum bruising in the area of the posterior ear, known as battle sign, step-offs in the surface continuity of the skull, and scalp hematomas, especially in the non-frontal areas. In this patient who appears well with a normal neurological examination, a CNS cause becomes less likely. The GI causes should be considered more thoroughly, particularly those that can be present with intermittent altered mental status, such as intussusception. Case point 35.3. After an hour of observation in the ED, the patient suddenly starts crying while holding his abdomen. He has a small amount of non-bloody, non-bilious emesis. After vomiting, he becomes immediately somnolent, without any evidence of desaturations or seizure-like activity. A repeated abdominal examination demonstrates a sausage-like fullness in the right upper quadrant of the abdomen. There are no focal neurological deficits beyond him being sleepy. On rectal examination, a stool guac test is positive. Time for clinical pearls. Observation and reassessment of patients who look well, but have a concerning history is a good strategy to help clarify the clinical picture. In this case, a new physical finding helped guide testing and led to the correct diagnosis. Additionally, The stool guayac test detects occult, hidden blood from a stool sample. This is useful if the stool is not grossly bloody. A thin layer of stool is smeared on a test card coated with guayac, a substance from a plant. Drops of indicator fluid change the color. So what is the most probable diagnosis at this point in time? Leading the list of probable diagnoses at this point in time is intussusception. Due to the presence of emesis, mass in the right upper quadrant, positive stool guaiac, and the patient's age. Other considerations for this age group would include toxic ingestion of medication, intracranial pathology, such as an intracranial bleed due to accidental or non-accidental trauma, or a space occupying lesion, such as a brain tumor. Other causes of intestinal obstruction such as malrotation with volvulus, gastroenteritis, new onset diabetes with ketoacidosis, appendicitis, renal failure, and urinary tract infection are still on the differential, but are less likely. So what is the next step? With intussusception is suspected, and radiographic evidence should be sought. Classic findings on plain abdominal films popularly known as a KUB, kidney, ureter, bladder, radiograph, include the paucity of air in the right lower quadrant and a target or crescent sign outlining the tip of the apex of the intussusception. However, sensitivity of the KUB for intussusception is poor, at around 25 to 45%. Ultrasound is much more sensitive. Sensitivity rates range between 98 to 100% and specificity 88 to 100% for intussusception. A donut or crescent sign or target sign is seen on cross section of the bowel. Longitudinal views of the intussusceptum may show a double walled bowel, representing the small bowel within the large bowel. Case point 35.4. A radiograph of the abdomen demonstrates a paucity of gas in the right lower quadrant and proximal dilation of the small bowel shown in figure 35.2. Abdominal ultrasound demonstrates an ileo-ileocolic intussusception which you can see in figure 35.3. At this point the diagnosis is idiopathic ileo-ileocolic intussusception. So what is intussusception? Why does it occur? Intussusception occurs when one portion of the bowel telescopes into the adjoining bowel. It is one of the most common surgical emergencies in the toddler age range. The most common types of intussusception are ilio meaning ilium into the cecum, and ilio ileal ilium into the ileum as illustrated in figure 35.4. This is due to the presence of Peyer's patches in the distal ilium. What are the most common causes of intussusception? Idiopathic intussusception accounts for 90% of cases and is often associated with preceding viral infections, most notably adenovirus. The peak age for this condition is between six months and three years of age. With 80% of cases occurring prior to two years of age. Some speculate that hypertrophied pierced patches in the ileocolic region act as a lead point, allowing the terminal ileum to telescope and get stuck in the proximal colon. About 5% of cases occur outside of the typical age range. These cases are often not idiopathic. A lead such as a bowel wall edema from vasculitis or mass can often be identified. How does intussusception present? The classic symptoms of intussusception are colically intermittent abdominal pain, vomiting, and or current jelly stools. This is typically a late finding indicative of bowel necrosis. All three symptoms are present in 10% to 82% of cases. Other signs and symptoms may include loud crying or grunting with the pain, pulling the knees up to the chest with relief of pain, and a period of somnolescence when the pain resolves. Time for a basic science Pearl. In about 17% of cases, lethargy or hypotonia may be the only presenting finding of intussusception. So do not forget to include it in your differential diagnosis of the altered infant or toddler. So how should this patient be managed? The initial treatment of intussusception is with either an air or barium enema. The pressure from the air or barium is able to reduce the intussusception by forcing the telescoping ileum back out of the cecum and or ascending colon. Reduction rates for air enemas range from 60% to 90%, and for barium or aqueous contrast is 60 to 80%. When an enema successfully reduces the intussusception, these children are usually admitted for observation, as up to 10% can recur. If an initial attempt of non-operative reduction fails, surgical reduction is necessary. Additionally, bowel perforation during reduction would be an indication for immediate surgery. It is ideal to have an experienced pediatric surgeon in the radiographic suite at the time of reduction of the intussusception. What complications can occur from intussusception? Delays in diagnosis of intussusception result in increased rates of requiring surgery and complications. The longer the intussusceptum is present, the more likely the small and large intestine are to undergo obstruction, perforation, or ischemia. This can result in bowel resection, and the patient is at higher risk for the development of sepsis. Clinical pro. Sepsis is a systemic inflammatory response syndrome, also known as SIRS, in the setting of an identified infection. Symptoms of SIRS include fever or hypothermia, tachycardia, tachypnea, and elevated peripheral white blood cell count. SIRS or sepsis in the setting of ileocolic intussusception is rare but ominous. Importantly, treatment with an air or barium enema should be performed at an experienced center, and a surgical team with an available operative room should be available on standby. Bowel perforation occurs in approximately 1% of non operative reduction procedures and is a medical emergency. Tension pneumoperitoneum results from bowel perforation and leading to hypoventilation is rare but may be deadly if not rapidly reversed. Case point 35.5, IV fluids and antibiotics are started in the ED, pediatric surgery is consulted, and the patient is shuttled back to the radiology suite for an air enema. The air enema successfully reduces the intussusception on the first attempt. The patient was admitted for observation and discharged on hospital day two without complications. So time for our Beyond the Pearls. Intussusception is the most common cause of small intestinal obstruction in infancy. Intestinal volvulus is another pediatric surgical emergency that can result in bowel necrosis and death if not treated urgently. This most commonly occurs in children born with malrotation. The stool guaiac test is the most common fecal occult blood test performed to screen for colon cancer. Other causes of positive fecal occult blood tests include esophagitis, esophageal varices, gastritis, peptic ulcer disease, GI polyps and tumors, and inflammatory bowel disease. Non-GI causes for fecal occult blood tests include nosebleeds or hemoptysis with subsequent swallowing of the blood into the GI tract. Additionally, some foods can cause a false positive stool guaiac test result. These foods include cantaloupe, red meat, uncooked broccoli, turnip, and radish, including horseradish, and some medicines may interfere with the test. These include aspirin, vitamin C, Ensense, such as ibuprofen, medications containing iron and bismuth can also turn the stool visibly black. Some academic centers are moving to discharge patients who undergo successful non-operative reduction after a short observation period and a successful oral trial. This should only be attempted if the reduction was uncomplicated and if the family is reliable, with good access to transportation to come back immediately to the ED should complications arise. Time for a case summary. So what was our complaint for history? An 18-month-old male comes to the emergency department with a two-hour history of vomiting and somnolescence. What findings did we have? On arrival, he appears well without any physical findings. While under observation, he has emesis followed by sleepiness. Repeat physical examination reveals a sausage-shaped mass in his right upper quadrant. What labs are tested, we do. A plain abdominal radiograph demonstrates paucity of air in the right lower quadrant and dilation of the small bowel. Ultrasound of the abdomen shows the cross section of the intestine with a target sign, consistent with the terminal ileum telescoping into the proximal cecum, leading to an intestinal obstruction. Our diagnosis? Ilio ileocolic intussusception. Our treatment? the patient has a successful air enema reduction and is discharged home after 48 hours of further observation. He does not require surgical intervention. And so that concludes case 35. Again, I am Astu Khalasi Hosseini. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Pearls podcast from Inside the Boards. This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.